All right. So when it comes to the book of Joshua, we are at the finish line, so to speak. Um, God has made incredible promises. He's made good promises to his children. And guess what God does when he makes a promise? He keeps it. He has kept every promise that he made to Israel. I love that in Joshua 23. Joshua reminded his leaders that every promise God has made us, he's kept it. None of God's promises have failed. That's a, a beautiful uh, line, a beautiful uh, encouraging line, encouraging words that Joshua gave his leaders. Um, in Joshua 23, he met specifically with his leaders. But in Joshua 24, he's now going to call all of the tribes of Israel together. And he's going to meet with the leaders and the people. Uh, and he's going to get another opportunity to remind them of their good God. He's going to get another opportunity to encourage them with the word of God. And he's also going to get another opportunity to challenge them. So we're going to dig in. We're going to read as much as we can uh, in this chapter and, and discuss it. And uh, hopefully tonight what you hear will be uh, encouraging to you, but it'll also be something that you can use in your home, in your workplace, wherever you go to glorify God. So let's begin Joshua 24. We're going to look at the first four verses. Verse 1, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father, Abraham, from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Now, if you keep reading, you'll notice in verses 5 through 7, uh, Joshua tells us about Moses, and he tells us about Aaron, and the exodus from Egypt, uh, what we call the wilderness years. While verses 8 through 12 tell us about the land on the east of the Jordan and how they crossed into the promised land. But look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. So let's think about what Joshua is doing. First and foremost, again, Joshua holds an important meeting for all of Israel. He's meeting with everyone. He wants everyone to know who God is and what God says. Uh, he's already spoken to the leaders. Now he's calling all of them back together for this final push, uh, these final reminders and encouragements and challenges. And what we see here in these first 13 verses is that Joshua reminds them of their history. That's so important. He reminds them of their history. And it's one with God fighting for them and providing for them. Don't you love that? What Joshua reminds the people of is their history. Look at where you were 
and look at where you are, and it was God. It was God fighting for you, and it was God providing for you all the way. In Joshua 23, I want to backtrack for a second. In Joshua 23, two different times he reminds them that it was God who fought for you. It was God who kept his good promises to you. And if you'll notice in these first 13 verses, I want you to look at the verbs he uses, okay? This is the English teacher coming out in me. But I want you to look at the verbs. Look at what it says. God gave. You see that? God assigned. God sent. God brought. God delivered. That's just a few of the verbs. Think about what all God did for Israel. Now let me ask you a question. Did Israel earn that? No, they did not. Let me ask you another question. Did Israel deserve that? No, they did not. They certainly didn't earn it. They did not deserve it. What do we call that? Grace. Thank you. Grace. It was God's grace. He loved his children. And God made promises to his children. And God keeps his promises. God is faithful. We've been talking about that over and over and over again. And so what Joshua is doing, he's doing what any good godly leader would do. He is reminding the people of who they were and who they are and why. It's all God. Everything they enjoyed in the land in which they were living was what God provided for them. The fields, the streams, the food, the buildings, right, that they lived in. Uh, They didn't do any of that. God gave that to them. So God fought for them and God provided for them. What an awesome reminder. So I told you Joshua was going to remind the people, but I also told you Joshua was going to encourage and challenge the people. So let's keep reading. Verse 14 and 15. And you know this passage very well. Joshua says in verse 14, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the God of your ancestors, uh, whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Every time I read that verse of Scripture, it reminds me of a big wood plaque that Miss Wanda Charbonneau gave me a long time ago. I don't know how many years ago. But she gave me a big plaque, and it's that verse. Right? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What an awesome, encouraging word from Joshua. So what happens here, in just two verses, Joshua challenges all the people to take action. It's it's an action. He's calling them and challenging them to take action. Now, like I said, I know that this scripture is... It's posted on social media sites over and over again. Uh, it's painted on signs. It, how many of you got something like this hanging in your, in your house? Yeah, quite a few of us, right? You got this somewhere hanging on a, on a, on a wall somewhere in your house. But I'm going to tell you something. The most important place this passage of Scripture ought to be hung is on the wall of your heart. 
That's, that's, that's where it really ought to be hung. It ought to be hung on the wall of your heart. Okay? Uh, this is a call to action. These are not cheap words that Joshua is using. That This is a challenge, and it's a challenge to action. And if you'll notice, look at the action that he challenges us. First and foremost, he says, fear the Lord. Do you see that? That's the first action he challenges us to take. Fear the Lord. Listen to this, and I'm sorry I didn't give you these passages on your handout. You might want to write these down. Psalm 111, verse 10. Fear the Lord. Psalm 111, verse 10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have a good understanding. To him belongs our eternal praise. What an awesome passage of Scripture. But number two, he not only calls us to fear the Lord, he says, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Write this passage down. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Listen to what that passage says. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all of your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. I love that in 1 Samuel chapter 12, 24. It, it makes me think that maybe somebody knew what Joshua said, right, in the book of Joshua. Because that verse pretty much says the same thing. Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. That's what Joshua's doing. He's reminding them of all the great things God has done and then he's challenging them to fear the Lord and serve the Lord. He also makes another challenge, a third challenge. It is turn from false gods. Turn from false gods. Uh, Another word you could use there is repent. When he says to turn from false gods, that's a call to repentance. Repent from false serving and bowing down to false gods, whether it's the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live in. Listen to this, Acts 3.19, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come to you from the Lord. Think about that for a moment. When you practice repentance... When you turn from your sin and turn to God, there's a promise there that times of refreshment will come to you. I don't know about you, but I I need refreshment in my life and I need it daily, right? I need it daily. And and repentance is is the way to get it. Repentance is the way to receive that time of refreshment from God. Turn from false gods and serve and love God. And then he makes this challenge, choose. And he says, choose today. So what that means is, is choose now. In other words, make a choice right here, right now. I want to take you again to another passage of Scripture. This time I want to take you back. And you don't have to turn there, just write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And really the whole chapter, but chapter 30 verses 19 and 20 are the ones I really want to key on. If you'll remember in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses actually challenged the people of God too. And he told them what he had to say was not too difficult for them to understand. It was not beyond their reach. It was a matter of the heart. So Moses said, hey, listen, guys, what I'm telling you is not hard. 
It's not hard for you to understand, and it's not hard for you to reach. It's not hard for you to take a hold of. And here's what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. He said, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Think about that. This is Moses speaking. You know who would have heard Moses saying this? Joshua. He said, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. I love that. Do you hear what Moses said? For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's an awesome passage of scripture. And when you get time, just go back and read Deuteronomy 30. Uh, Deuteronomy 30 are really Moses' last words. Uh, In just another chapter or two, he will die. And so it's kind of like Joshua giving his final reminder, his final encouragement. Moses did the same thing. So it's no, it's no wonder to me that, that Joshua learned from a godly leader and was doing the same thing, right? I'm going to make a challenge. And the challenge is this. Hey, guys, fear the Lord. Serve the Lord. Repent. Turn from your false idols, your false gods, and, and choose today. Choose today. Whatever way you're going to do it, choose. It's either life or it's death. And I'm going to tell you something. God is life. That's what Moses said. So to choose anything other than God is to choose what? Death. To choose anything other than God is death. And Moses said when you choose anything other than God, it's not just death, it's curses. But when you choose God, it's life and it's what? Blessings. I'm telling you, read Deuteronomy 30. I read it like three times this week and it was a blessing to me. But we're in Joshua 24, so let's keep trucking through Joshua. Look at verse 16. Now, I'm going to read a, a lengthier passage here, so just bear with me. Starting in verse 16. It says, Then the people answered. So Joshua has reminded them. He's encouraged them and challenged them. Now it's their turn, right? It's their turn to speak up. So then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord and to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And that sounds real good, doesn't it? But guess what Joshua does? He calls them out. Watch this. Verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. That sounds pretty tough, doesn't it? He's calling their bluff is what he's doing. He's seen it with his own eyes, that's right. Verse 21, but the people said to Joshua, no, 
We will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Again, if you look at this and you go back and look at Deuteronomy 30, you're going to see a lot of the same wording that Moses used. He says, You have chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, Yes, we are witnesses. Joshua said in verse 23, Now then, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. So what we see in this passage, right, Joshua has reminded them of all of God's great promises, of his faithfulness. He's challenged them with the word of God, encouraged them to, to move forward, to choose. So what happens? The quickly, they quickly respond to Joshua's challenge with acceptance. That's what they did. It was a quick acceptance. Yes, yes, we will do that. We will serve the Lord. And so they show through their own words that they've heard the truth. They even repeat the truth. That they even go so far as to say it out loud and to say it publicly, we will serve the Lord. But as John said, he, he's watched them, right? He's seen them. As a matter of fact, Joshua's looking around going, I know me. I, I, I haven't fully obeyed at all times. I haven't gotten it right every time. And so what he does is he quickly responds by calling them out. He calls them out. Now this may come across, like I said, when you read it, you may come across and say, why would he say that? Why would he say it like that, that God won't forgive you, that, that God's going to bring disaster on you? But again, a godly leader wants his people to truly consider, truly consider what God is saying and truly consider the challenge that is in front of them. It's not about their words. What's it about? Their actions, right? It's not about words. It's about action. Uh, I love Dr. Tony Evans, and Dr. Tony Evans says this. Joshua said what he did because he recognized the danger of not putting your money where your mouth is. Talk is cheap but it's our actions that prove our words. And frankly, Joshua didn't believe they were so serious. So he doubled down on his challenge. I love that. Dr. Tony Evans, he said Joshua doubled down, right, on his challenge. In other words, okay, maybe you heard me with your ears. You're repeating the words I said, but my question is, did you hear me with your heart? Did you hear me with your heart? I really believe that's why Joshua called them out like he did. We're quick to respond, right? When everything's working in our favor. When everything's going good. Oh yeah, we're, we're ready, we'll do it. But when things aren't in our favor, and when things aren't going good, what do we do? We start blaming. I mean, let, let's go back to the Exodus. Let's go back to Moses, right? Let's go back to 
when they were coming out of Egypt and they were in the land of wilderness. Do you remember what happened when the people got a little hungry and the people got a little restless? Where did they want to go? Back to Egypt, right? They wanted to go back to Egypt and be slaves again, right? Listen, these are the same people. It's it's their children and their grandchildren. These are the same people. So Joshua is making sure that this wasn't just an earshot, but more importantly, it was a heart shot, right? I want to make sure you're serious. I, I love this. Again, Dr. Tony Evans, and I put this on your handout. He said this in his commentary. It isn't enough to agree with truth. You must act on truth. That is so good. Did you hear me? It isn't enough to just agree with truth. You must act on it. You must act on it. It kind of reminds me, you know, it's not the same thing, but it reminds me. The demons, right? The demons know that Jesus is the Son of God. We, we, we read that this morning, right? Listen, they agree with the truth, right? But do they act on it? No. They act against it, right? They don't act on it and act with it. They act against it, right? And, and so I believe that's what Joshua was doing. He's saying, listen, I know you hear the truth, but are you going to act upon it? And remember what we talk about? We talk about the heart, right? Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23, right? Or is it 4.27? 4.27. I get my scriptures all jumbled up in my head, right? He says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. So you tell me, right? Is it enough just to agree with truth in your head? No, it's not. You must act upon it, and that comes from the heart. So again, the people make that statement of faith, right? And their service to God. No, 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 we will serve the Lord. We will obey the Lord. That's what they say. And so what does Joshua call them to do? When they say, hey, we will, we're going to act upon it, right? No longer do they say, we'll just serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord and obey. And so Joshua, he makes another call, He makes a call to repentance, right? He calls them to repentance and he calls them to yield their hearts fully to God. And I believe this is a call to practice repentance daily and to yield their heart daily to what God is calling them to do. And not only does he do that, he also sets up a memorial stone. And we've seen Joshua do this several times in in the book of Joshua. Um, I believe this is important. He sets up a memorial stone and it is a declaration and it's an agreement to worship God alone. That's what it is. It's to remind the people of this day. It's to remind the people of this choice that they make that we will serve and obey God. And so then we come to this passage and I I hate that we have to come to this passage, but I'm going to tell you... uh, Sooner or later in life, we all going to come to this, right? Verse 29. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Sarah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. 
Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And look at this. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants, the tribe of Ephraim. And Eleazar, son of Aaron, died and was buried at Gebeah, which had been allotted to his son, Phinehas, in the hill country of Ephraim. Here's what I love, right? Joshua dies, and how is he remembered? What line was used? He was a servant of the Lord. I love that. Joshua dies and he's remembered as the Lord's servant. Does anybody else know who died and was known as the Lord's servant before him? Moses, Abraham. You could go back and you start looking at the men who were accounted righteous before God, right? And it wasn't their own righteousness. It was God's righteousness, and they embraced it, right? It was Moses. Joshua was known as the Lord's servant. I don't know if there's anything better, right, to be remembered for. I don't know if there's anything better. If it is, you're going to have to tell me. I remember when I was coaching, I used to think, man, I want these kids to grow up and remember me as the best coach they ever had. That's cool, right? That's a good thing, but you know what's better than that? I hope these kids will remember me as a godly man, as a man who loved them because he loved God first. There's nothing better than being known as the Lord's servant. It goes on and tells us that Israel served the Lord. Remember what they said? What they tell Joshua? We will what? Serve the Lord. Well, it says that Israel served the Lord not only throughout Joshua's lifetime, but beyond that. But we must remember they are not perfect. Right? I, this, is, this is a great, listen, this is a great thing to say, but Israel served the Lord throughout Joshua's lifetime. Not only that, Israel continued to serve the Lord even uh, in, in the elders who outlived him, they, they served the Lord. But you're going to get to Judges chapter 1 when you get out of Joshua 24, and you're going to find out real quick how fast that can change. Right? They were not perfect. And in my opinion, this is a fitting end of the book of Joshua. Right? It's a fitting end to the book of Joshua, especially when we read about the bones of Joseph. You may think, oh, that's just another little thing thrown at the end. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. The burial of Joseph in the promised land is another example of God's faithfulness. It's another example of God's faithfulness because Joseph believed God. And because he believed God and believed in the promises of God, God honored him and told him that he would be buried in the land of his father, in the land right here. Ephraim, the promised land, right? Uh, That was his final resting place. And so when I finish up the book of Joshua, especially when I finish, you know, Joshua 24, I come up with two questions, and you see them on your page right there. Number one, are we actively participating in the good purposes of God? Now, don't answer that quickly, (laughs) like Israel did with Joshua. Think about that for a moment, right? 
Are we actively participating in the good purposes of God? In other words, are you living life the way you want to live life? Are you living life the way God wants you to live life? It's really an easy answer, isn't it? I find that more often than not, I'm living out the purposes of Jeff rather than the purposes of God, and then I'm wondering why I don't have peace in my life, or I'm wondering why things aren't working out, right? Many times, if, if I really want to be honest, I'm quick to, to follow my footsteps, to follow my purposes, and I'm quick to just kind of say, okay, God, I'll get, I'll get to you when I get a chance. You know what happens in my life a lot? Instead of getting the first fruit, God gets the leftovers. That's what happens a lot. So are we actively participating in the good purposes of God? And then secondly, like I said about, uh, about Israel, even though they serve the Lord for a good bit of time, we realize they're not perfect and they fall. They fall in sin. They fall in idolatry. And you'll see that in the book of Judges. Here's the question. Are we relying on the fullness of Jesus? Because truth be told, the only way that I can serve God faithfully is if I rely on Jesus. If I truly believe that I'm going to serve God faithfully in and of myself, <laughs> I'm going to mess up day one. Day, day one, I will not cross the finish line. If it's about my mind and my heart and my strength and my effort, I won't even get to the finish line of serving God faithfully. Day one, I must rely on Jesus. I love the letters of John. Uh, I believe our, our, our men are studying the letters of John in, uh, on Wednesday mornings at the fire station. And I love the letters of John because in the letters of John, you, you can see it, First John, Second John, Third John. He constantly is talking about relying on the love of God. He's constantly talking about relying on Jesus Christ, relying on God's power, God's grace, God's mercy, God's strength in everything that we do. And, and so what I believe is if we're not careful, right, if we're not careful, we'll begin to put faith and trust in ourselves. Oh, I got this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I got this. Oh, I can do this. And we stop relying on Jesus Christ in us and we rely on self. And I'll tell you what we'll find ourselves. Judges chapter one. That's where we'll find ourselves. We'll find ourselves falling in sin, falling into idolatry, right? And, and, and you're not gonna serve God faithfully if you're in idolatry and if you're in sin. And here's the thing. Jesus, right? Jesus is the difference maker. He's not just the difference maker in your eternity, your salvation. He's the difference maker in your right now. He's the difference maker right now. He's the difference maker in your home, in your marriage, uh, in raising your children. Some of you, your grandchildren, right? He's the difference maker at, at work, in the office, right? He's the difference maker out in the field. It doesn't matter where you are. Jesus is the difference maker. The question is, are you going to rely on him? Or are you just going to let him sit up on the shelf? Right? Just let him sit up on the shelf. You know he's there, right? He's there. Or is he going to be your life? That's what I love about Deuteronomy 30. 
Moses said, God is your life. Right? He is your life. In other words, you rely on him. And so, what an awesome passage of Scripture. What an awesome book of the Bible. Uh, I just want to remind you of those two truths. Uh, I didn't put them on this handout, but you know it. Uh, the two most important truths we find in the book of Joshua. Number one, God is faithful, right? You've heard me say it a lot, so you ought to know it by now. God is faithful in keeping his promises to his children. Number two, God's people in the book of Joshua, we find them what? Participating in the purposes God has for them. That, that's the two truths that I find in the book of Joshua. And uh, those are the two truths that I've been thinking about you know, for the last few months, and I'm going to keep thinking about them. God, you are faithful. You keep your promises to me. You never fail. So the question is, God, will I actively participate in those good purposes you have, not just for me, but for your kingdom? Will I rely on Jesus? Because here's the truth. I can't do it apart from Jesus. I can't. I cannot do it apart from Jesus. I will fail if not for Jesus.